This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. It's wonderful to be back with you for another episode of LifeWords Q&A. We've got a couple of questions today and uh, to join us, as usual, David Ray, thanks for, for spending some quality time with us. Thanks, Andrew. Now, uh, you're also the author of LifeWords Daily Devotional. Um, how long have you been writing the devotions? Andrew, I, I find it hard to um, think. It's number of years now. I, I, I wouldn't really know. I mean, I probably would have written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. Why, why, why did you start doing them? Uh, I, I, I started back in about 10 years ago, I think, when I was full-time minister of a church, and I felt that uh, people perhaps weren't reading their Bibles often enough or regularly enough or deeply enough, and yet people at the same time were saying they appreciated my teaching on a Sunday. So I thought, well, how about I give them a bit of teaching through the week as well? And so I said, here, okay, if you're not prepared to open your Bibles normally, how about you open your Bibles and read this bit of the Bible with my assistance? And so it started like that, uh, because I do believe firmly that people need to be soaked in the Word of God, and yet sometimes just simply reading the Bible might not give them enough insight, and so I was offering to help them do that. And so that, that's, that's I think, why it was first started, a desire to see people uh, interact with the Bible so that it comes to life for them. And people may have heard you on the radio as well on a Sunday afternoon here on uh, Hope, but also on uh, Sydney uh, Station 2CH. You've done spots for a long time. What do you think, how do you approach your your radio spots and what are you trying to communicate through your radio spots? Well, I'm trying to communicate, uh, first of all, it's very hard in a radio spot uh, to communicate something in a short because will they give you one minute thereabouts? Yes. So, so what are you trying to communicate through a, a one minute radio spot? Through a one minute spot, what I'm trying to do is to, um, uh, as it were, start people thinking about something. Uh, to sort of, if I can put it as crudely as this, I want to raise a life issue, and I want to, as it were, point sometimes obviously, sometimes more subtly, to God. I want to say, this is life. Hey, here is God. And see if people can start putting it together. I'm not going to resolve all all, all that. I'm not going to solve that problem. I'm not going to fully integrate God and life in a minute or so. But what I want to do is to say, here is a life situation. Oh, here is what what meaning and significance God can provide in that situation. Um, or, or, hey, um, have you... Have you uh, have you got this particular understanding of Jesus, the church, the Bible, and so on? Hey, think about it this way. And so, in other words, I'm really wanting to tap them on the shoulder in that short space of time and get them thinking. And I, I want to challenge some of their perhaps false presuppositions about God, Jesus, the Bible, the church, and so on. Now, very limited in what you can do, but I do believe it's sort of the slow dripping method that you know, if you if you're giving these messages over a period of time, uh, that some of the truth may actually sink in. As you would know, many years ago on radio, uh, many, many, many decades ago, um, the Church of England had a half hour on a radio station and the Roman Catholic Church had yeah. a half hour or so on. But they quickly realised that people would just simply switch off. Um, but now we have our 60-second spots, our two-minute spots on uh, Hope 103 and so on. Uh, we, we have these spots because people are not going to say, oh, a bit of religion, or David Ray or Andrew Morris or whoever, well, I'll switch them off. No, they're not going to do that. It's just going to be there. And we are aware that it's back. Background. Uh, people are not necessarily sitting down in front of the front of the radio making notes. Of course, they're not. But so I'm not trying to 
plumb any great intellectual depths uh, when I do this uh, sort of thing. Rather, what I'm trying to do is just to start the journey. And and, and I think really it's the same with the Q&A um, that, that we do. Uh, we're, we're not trying to give exhaustive answers. We're just trying to say, here is one way to approach it. Or, or here's, look, you've got a bit of a misunderstanding there in that question. Perhaps you can look at it another way. So it's the beginning of a journey. Uh, it's starting to get people to think and rethink think their lives in the light of some of the truths about God. Okay, well, David, we're going to get started. Mm. Uh, uh, This listener has uh, submitted this question. I'm romantically involved with a non-Christian man. My friends warn me about the dangers of this, and I'm aware of them. However, I believe I I can be the means through which he becomes a Christian. So what should I do? Uh, Yeah, you are in a difficult position there. Uh, I'm assuming the man's a decent guy. Um... But it's still an issue that you can't be at one with him in such a significant area of your life, um, which is your faith. I mean, it's a bit like someone being absolutely passionate about music, absolutely passionate about music, say classical music, and the person you're involved with absolutely hates it, uh, sort of thing. It, it's, it's, it's that sort of thing. You see, getting entangled in business or romantic relationships with those who don't share your faith can be a problem. I think that's why Paul warns against it when he says don't be unequally yoked. I don't think he's simply talking about marriage exclusively. I think he's talking about anything that gets you too closely entangled with someone who doesn't quite share your outlook on life. Look, what makes things more difficult for this person is that you are believing that you can somehow witness to him in this situation. Um, you know, I I can be the means through which he becomes a Christian. Well, I'm not going to deny that. Um, I do know, actually, personally, of people who've been in your situation and and the their partner becomes a Christian, and that's wonderful. Um, so I'm, I'm not denying it. But careful, um, because you can show him the grace of Jesus Christ and tell him the good news of Jesus, but you can't be sure of how he'll respond. So how is it going to be? If, as your relationship goes on, he doesn't turn to Christ, um, um, hanging on to him in the hope that he'll respond leaves you in a potentially painful situation. And I'd want to put it to you also, uh, fairly carefully, I don't want to discourage you, but I want to say to you that sometimes witnessing in the context of strong passions can be a challenge in itself. To say, I'm, I'm romantically involved with this person and I'm going to witness to Christ uh, in that relationship, I'm not, I don't think it's a bad thing. But I'm just saying it can complicate matters somewhat. Um, so, yes, conversion can happen in such circumstances. But I'd, I'd want to urge this inquiry to be very careful. Continuing a relationship on the basis that you hope to see him converted through you may cause some confusion in your relationship. Because, yes, I know you are attached to him and you're devoted to Jesus. Yes, yes, that's all very well. But those two things could come into collision with one another. How long do you wait? Um, as I say, will you still feel the same way if he's not converted? And um, also beware of thinking you must be the means by which he comes to Jesus. It could be that he comes to Jesus through you separating from him. I'm not saying you should, but I'm saying God's got all sorts of ways of bringing people to himself. And you've got to be very careful of saying, only if I stay in this situation will this person be converted. Now, the question is not quite saying that, although I've got there's a bit of a risk of it happening like that. And I would say, please be very, very careful of being involved with someone who doesn't at heart share your same passion for Jesus, number one. And number two, beware of assuming that you are going to be the means of this person's conversion. That person may never be converted. 
because it's not your business. Uh, that, that, well, it's not, you know, you can't guarantee it. Um, that person could become converted through um, uh, someone else. Um, uh, but then again, I, I will not deny that, yes, you may uh, witness to him in such a way that you become the human beings by which he is converted. So I'm not denying that. I just simply want to say, be very, very careful. You're listening to LifeWords Q&A. David Ray, Andrew Morris with you. And uh, our final question today, David, is, um, it seems like it's from a parent. My son and daughter-in-law have been married some time and have decided against having children. They're Christians, and I wonder if their decision is true to the Bible. It's one of those funny ironies, isn't it? It's ironic that some couples desperately want children while others choose not to have them. Um, now, there's no clear biblical text to say all married people are to have kids. Um, obviously, some, some can't have them, even though they want them, and so we certainly don't condemn them. Um, this command to be fruitful and multiply is a general command to humankind. I mean, generally, marriages produce children. Sexual relationships usually carry the implication of childbearing up to a certain age. All that falls short of demanding that couples have children. Um, we said in one of our earlier Q&A segments that, that, that um, you know, you'd caution people against smoking, but you'd have to stop short of saying it's a biblical law. Um, see, what's concerning here is the motivation. I don't know what the, the, this, person's, this couple's motivation is. Why not have children, assuming they're, they're able to, of course? Um, some might envisage... For example, dangerous mission-type service. They might be saying, well, my, my whole aim in life is to go into some of the troubled parts of, of, of the world, I and my partner, and we are going to serve Jesus in those places, and I'm sorry, having kids would not be fair and not be right. Well, okay, I, I mean, whether or not they're right in that, uh, I, I would argue that that's not a bad motivation. But you see, others might not have kids because they want to live a more comfortable and affluent lifestyle. I'm sorry, how, 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 how expensive is it to raise children uh, and how much trouble it causes to raise children and so on. And uh, they've seen other people with kids and they say, no, thanks, I don't want any of that. I want to live a comfortable, affluent lifestyle. I want to have my overseas holidays every week and I don't want my household to be cluttered up. Well, I think that's questionable. And I'd, I'd even say it's basically um, rather self-centred. So, look, I, I can't label their decision as sinful without discovering the reasons. Uh, you'd want to know the reasons. Uh, why are they? Um, uh, uh, why have they decided against having children? There, there can be valid reasons, but there can be invalid reasons. But please note that they might change if you're a parent who's worried about your, your son and daughter-in-law, that they, they could change. Um, this might be their decision for the moment. Um, also, um, no matter how much you've decided against having children, can I just say that accidents uh, do happen? Yeah, uh, thanks, David. I mean, uh, another point of view is that maybe, I mean, like some people have this desperate urge to have a, uh, a child, maybe that urge is not in a couple's DNA. Maybe, you know, they, they, there is no exactly craving to have a child. I mean, exactly right. And, and, and I, that's why I would want to say I would refuse to judge this couple. I mean, uh, and I don't think if, if there is not a great urge to have a child, there's anything wrong with that. Uh, absolutely nothing yeah. wrong with it. I've said the general pattern is that when you marry, you have children. That, that, and most, most people, when they marry, want kids and have kids. I mean, I mean okay, that's fine. Um, but it can be that some couples, yes, for various Valid reasons say no. Look, I, I, I honestly, 
I'm happy as we are just simply as a couple. Uh, I mean, there, there are other couples, Andrew, that are quite a contrast to that. They, they almost can't stop having kids. That's right. Because yeah. basically they're almost a defining relationship in terms of their kids. And I've got to have another child because that's where I find my identity in raising young children. Well, that can be a bit of a problem, even though I don't think it's sinful. Uh, so, yes, we've got to understand the individual motivations. And I would say, for example, in, in, in using that example you've raised, that there's this couple that's just simply saying, honestly, we do not feel very paternal, maternal. We honestly don't feel driven to have kids. I'd say, well, Oh, okay. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't lose any sleep over it. I, I might be. <laughs> the parent might be disappointed. They might not be having grandchildren. Yeah. But 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 I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, I certainly wouldn't say you are somehow rather sub-Christian or unbiblical uh, for lacking that desire. I mean, there are people around. It's the same with getting married. I suppose getting married is more the norm. I suppose, but there's some people who have said, to be perfectly honest, I, I can get by without getting married. I can do without the hassle. <laughs> yeah, you can do without the hassle. That's right. I mean, I mean, uh, so so. I mean, look, look. Obviously, there's advantages and disadvantages with, with with such decisions you make. But we've got to be very careful. And when when this questioner says, "Is their decision true to the Bible?" I'd say, well, if it is purely and simply a selfish and greed-motivated thing, uh, yeah, I'd have a problem with that. But, hey, there can be other reasons where you might want to say, quite legitimately, I disagree with you for not having children, but you fall short of saying it's unbiblical. You see, there's there's two sort of categories there. I I might want to say to, to someone in that situation, having discovered motivation, to say... Yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm, I, I think if I was in your position, I'd still want to have children, but at the same time saying it's not an unbiblical thing. Uh, so we've got to be careful to differentiate there. Um, there are some things we don't agree with or that we wouldn't do, uh, but fall short of being unbiblical. Thanks, David. We'll join you next week for more LifeWords q and I hope you've enjoyed uh, this uh, today's discussion, and uh, please go back and have a listen to previous episodes. There's uh, dozens and dozens of uh, stuff to chew on and, and really get your brain uh, thinking over time, but uh, it's worth it. Till next week, uh, have a great one. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.